The teaching text for today is James chapter 2, 14 through 26. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. This is the word of the Lord. We got the line, we just don't have the unity yet, but we're going to get there. This book of James was, was referred to as the Epistle of Straw by Martin Luther, the reformer. The Epistle of Straw, and it was not his favorite book. Now, some have said, and this is false, that he didn't want it in the scriptures. That's not true. Um, he just had sort of a ranking system, which I don't think was biblical, but he did, and he wasn't perfect. Uh, far from it, actually. Very, very far from it. Um, but he did do a lot of things that, that brought us to the place where we are today as it relates to God's word and, and where our church is. And as he looked at the book of James and he saw, um, he saw a lot of things that, that didn't jive with what he was trying to fight for in the church, namely understanding where salvation comes from, that it's a free gift from God. And so when James reads uh, in verse 24, as it reads, as you just heard Courtney say, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. That just made Martin Luther's skin crawl because it felt like it was going against everything he was trying to do and create inside of the church. Romans chapter 3, verse 28, in juxtaposition to James 2, 24, it says, for we maintain, Paul speaking, we maintain that a person is justified or declared legally um, innocent by faith apart from the works of the law. So which is it? Is there, is there a contradiction here in the New Testament? Is there a contradiction between what James is saying and what Paul is saying? And then we're going to discuss that as we dig in to this passage. I was just on Facebook yesterday and I was looking at a young adult group from Oak Point in Novi and someone had, that was on their page, someone had asked the question, hey, what's the deal with this James 2.24 passage? How does this relate with the rest of the New Testament? And it, literally asking this very question. 
and trying to figure out how do we bring these two ideas together? How is there synthesis between them, or is there? And I think it's a really important question. Again, we're going to dig into that as we get through this passage. Let's start at the top in verse 14. James says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Now, what, what, is Paul, what does James rather mean when he says that faith, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead? What is, what is dead faith? In this case, it's a faith that cannot provide salvation. It's a faith that cannot, that, that doesn't work, right? We're, in this James series, we're calling it faith that works, it's a faith that doesn't work. It doesn't work out practically, and it doesn't work out um, in, in the end. It doesn't work out salvation-wise because he's saying if it's not accompanied by action, that faith is dead. It's not living. He gives that example within it. He's like, just like if someone were co- to come to you, and they, they had nothing left, and they needed food, or they were going to starve to death, and you say, hey, good luck. You know, I'm sure you'll find something. I hope you have a great day, and you send them on their way. Like, that's useless, right? Those, those hopes, those words, they're empty. It's useless. It's not helpful. We hear the same sentiment sometimes when, when people who are trying to be active in our world say, hey, we don't want to hear anything more about thoughts and prayers, right? They want to see action to come along with it. It's that same idea. If we say to someone, hey, I wish you well. I hope you don't starve to death tonight. I hope you don't freeze to death in the weather. Have a good day. And then we let them we have them leave our presence. We have not, our hopes and our wishes and our words are meaningless and they're empty. They're not real. And that's what James is saying. That's a dead faith. It's counterfeit and it's not genuine. It cannot provide for it what it promises. Faith without deeds is useless. That's the bottom line point that he's trying to make. When we have faith without deeds, it's useless. It's not useless or it's not useful for anyone. Not for ourselves. God does not, he's not working through that. It's not useful for another person Faith without deeds is useless. That's what James' point is. Verse 18, excuse me. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. So he's, he's taking a counterpoint here, and he's saying, some of you are gonna say, well, everyone has their gifts, everyone has the way of working, and you know, some of us have faith, and some of us have deeds, and I'm a person of faith. You know, what about that? And he's, he's saying that, that really doesn't work. We need to show our faith, our belief needs to show itself out in action. He says, if you have the right theology, that's great. You're doing well. It's a good first step. But even Satan believes in God, right? Even Satan believes that God is one. We just read that passage from Deuteronomy 6. It's called the Shema. When we did the child dedication, we, we read it. And it says, hear, O Israel, our Lord, the Lord our God, our Lord is one. Like, this is the center of, of the Jewish faith, and James is speaking to some Jewish Christians here. And so they're very familiar with that passage. He's like, you believe God is one? That's important. It's the center, right? But it needs to lead to something. If you say you believe that, but you don't act on it, what, what good is it? So genuine faith, what he's saying is that genuine faith is visible. It's something that you can see, something that you can observe. And we have a great example of, of in, from Jesus' ministry, of faith that is visible. There was this, a story that happens in Mark chapter 2, uh, and, and 
Mark chapter 2, the, um, the, towards the beginning of that passage uh, in the chapter there, uh, right, right from the start, Jesus is teaching in a house. And the house is crowded. And there's some people who hear that Jesus is there. And they've heard about what he can do. They've heard about the miracles that he has performed. And so they grab their friend who is disabled. He's paralyzed. He's on a mat. And they carry him to this house. And they find that they can't get into the house because the, the crowd is too big. There's no space. So they climb up on the roof. They get their friend up on the roof. And they actually basically remove the thatching and whatever from the, from the roof. And they lower their friend on the mat in from the ceiling while Jesus is teaching. So you can imagine the scene would have been absolutely wild. Like it would have just been a crazy thing to see. And as Jesus sees them lower him down, and they, they, he understands what they're trying to do. And he says this in verse five, Mark chapter two, verse five. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. How did this start? He saw their faith. He saw their faith. Faith is something that you can visibly see when it's genuine. It's something that you can vis- visibly see because it plays itself out. Jesus could see their faith. Okay, so we've, again, we've got Oak Point kids in here. Some of them, um, some of you right now are playing with your little kits. Some of you are talking to your grandmothers. Some of you are a little bit bored, and that's okay. But I need a very brave Oak Point kid to come up to the stage as a volunteer. Okay, who is that? Is that Mason back there? Yeah, why don't, come on down. Yeah, you'll be, I think you can be brave enough for this. Let's try this. Mason, are, are you sure you're brave enough today? Oh, Micah? Sorry, Micah. Is your brother Mason? Okay, I, I couldn't tell which one I was talking to. All right. I'm gonna stand on this. You stand right here, Okay. Is it your birthday? Yeah. Like today? Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, dude. Awesome. I'm going to try not to injure you on your birthday, but this is going to be up to you, okay? This is a pendulum, okay? I'm going to be like a very sturdy anchor for the pendulum. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to put this, this water bottle, which is made out of metal, on your chin, okay? Grab it. Put it on your chin. Back up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now you're going to let it go. And it's going to swing, and then it's going to come back towards you. Now, here, now listen to me. Okay, hold on. Put this down for a second. Listen to me. It's not going to hit you, okay? okay. Do you trust me? Yeah. You do? It's not going to hit you, okay? When, it, when you let it go and it swings, it's going to come back for you. You're going to think it's going to hit you, but it's not going to hit you. Okay. okay, here's the deal. Don't throw it, okay? You cannot throw it. If you throw it, it is going to hit you, Okay. <laughs> All right, grab it, grab it. Put it on your chin. Oh, I, I will drop it. All right, go ahead. See? It didn't hit you. Try it again. Back up a little bit. Then what happens if I move my arm? Then will it hit you? Oh, not even close. See? That's what I'm talking about. Let's hear a round of applause for Micah, not Mason. I'm going to need this, so I'm just going to hold on to it. Okay, so we're going to try to do that from the rafters, but the rafters were moving, so then it may have hit him. There's a principle in physics 
that about energy that I have no idea what it's called, but it's probably in my notes, uh, that tells us that it will not swing back. It's the conservation of energy. It will not swing back. Did I get it? Engineer. All right. It will not hit you, okay? It will not hit you because it can't pick up more pace than when you let it go. I should have had you design the experiment. I could have gotten it to come this close, you know? It would have been awesome. But you can't swing past the starting point. It will not do that unless there's some outside force acted on it to give it more energy. So if, if he were to come up here, if Micah stood up here and he let it go, and then as it was starting to swing back for him, he ducked or he moved back, does he believe me that it's not going to hit him in the face? No, because faith actually has an action that proves it out. It proves it out. Now, he could also say, yes, I believe you, and then we don't do the experiment, and he still believed me, but he didn't have the opportunity to prove it. But when we get that chance in life, faith proves itself out. Here's what James says in verse 20. He says, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? And then he gives two examples from the Old Testament where God could see individuals' faith and he counted it to them as righteousness. Now here's the cool thing about God. He can see our faith even when we don't have those opportunities. So he sees our faith when it's working and he sees our faith when it's not working. But this, these steps of obedience, they were, uh, they were leading up to this very central summary of the whole argument that we looked at at the very beginning. Verse 24, you see a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. A person is considered righteous by what they do, not by faith alone. Again, Romans 3.28, we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. How does this work? How does this work? does not contradict each other. Here's why. Because Paul and James are talking about this topic differently, right? Works uh, that are forced by the flesh is what Paul is talking about. He's saying we cannot obey the law into salvation. We cannot force our way. We cannot live out of a lack of faith and have works that produce salvation. They can't produce that for us. They cannot produce salvation for us. James is talking about works that flow out from faith. He's saying faith, a faith that's alive can't be with, absent from works. So it's kind of the opposite way. Paul's saying a, a works that are forced by the flesh and fueled by the flesh versus works that are flowing out or fueled by the faith. That's the different ways, the different angle that they're looking at works from. It's the, the same idea here, just to say it a little bit differently. Paul is talking about works in order to earn salvation, James is talking about works as a response to salvation that's already been realized, already been gained. These are the different aspects, the different elements or the different angles by which they're looking at this idea of works in these two passages. Really, this passage in James, it it truly agrees with Paul. I'll give you a bunch of examples. Romans chapter one, verse five, we're gonna fly through these. It says, through him, Jesus, we receive grace and apostleship to call the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. 1 Thessalonians 1.3, we remember before our God and your Father your work that was produced by faith, right? So work produced by faith. 2 Thessalonians 1.11, he says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. 
Galatians 5, 6, he says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So that gives us the picture of how Paul is talking about the two different types of works. Circumcision is a work whereby you're, you're gaining favor from God in some people's mind, right? That's how some people are looking at it in Paul's day. That's how it's being taught. They're saying you cannot have salvation without this ritual act. And he's saying, no, that, that it doesn't have any value. What, what counts is the works that express itself through faith. That's what counts. And then Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. This is, the, this is the very clear picture of the gospel all in one verse. It says, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. A gift is free. All right? Mike is not going to have to work off his birthday gifts later. Like, it's a free thing that he gets. All right? Um, so it's not something that we earn. And he's even, he says that not by works. It's not by works that we get a salvation. It's not by works so that no one can boast. But then he goes on, he said, but there's a role for works. For we are God's handiwork. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand for us to do. So we see all of these examples of Paul saying the same thing. It's the wording that's a little bit different in the angle at which they're looking at, at the idea of works that sets them apart. And so it's a really important understanding to have that that we don't, we don't work to earn some kind of favor from God at all, ever. When we're doing that, we're getting it wrong. We're getting it backwards. It's not pleasing. It's not honoring to him. But when we work because of what he's already granted us, it just demonstrates we understand the depth and the, rich, the richness of the gift that he has offered to us. That's what it's all about. And then he sums up the entire passage in verse 26. James chapter 2, verse 26 he says, as the body, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So he sums it up again. He uses a similar wording. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So if you go to the doctor <clears throat> at the start of the thing, the start of your appointment, someone will come in and they'll they'll check your heartbeat, you know, they'll listen to your lungs, they'll, they'll, they'll um, what is that thing they put on you? Blood pressure, you know, all that stuff, thank you. I uh, need a little help today. But like, they're doing all these things, and they're checking some, some stuff about you that, that you need to have in the right place, right? We call some of these things vital signs. Like to have a pulse, you gotta have a pulse, it's a vital sign. You know, if, if you walk into the doctor, if I walked into the doctor next week and they tried to take my pulse and I just didn't have one, they'd be like, What's going on here? You know, like, this is a dead person walking into our office. Like, it just, that, that is one of those signs of life. And when James says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. He's saying, hey, when, when we have faith, we have vital signs of our faith. Interestingly, the word for spirit in the Greek is the same word as the word for breath. Now, I think it makes sense that they translated it spirit here. Okay? There's, there is a debate about it, but most people land on the side of spirit, and I'd say, I'd say the same. But I think the idea really is interesting as you cross it over. If, if you were to think of it in the other translation, is the body without breath is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And that breath just being a sign, it's not the thing that's, that's so much causing you to live. You breathe because you're alive, right? 
So it's a sign, it's demonstrating our life. The same thing goes with the spirit. What he means by that is the animating spirit in every person. We have something that brings us to life. It's our spirit that's within us. And when we die, we're separated from that spirit. It goes away, the animating spirit is gone. And then a person is dead. These vital signs, these, it's pointing to life. And so it, the same thing goes with our faith. It's not that the works make our faith happen. It's not that the works cause our faith. It's that the works are a vital sign that our faith is living. We can say one thing and we completely live a different way and we never back it up. There's no vital sign for our faith. Our faith might be dead. Our faith might be dead in that case. And again, it's not earning anything for us. It's just demonstrating the reality of what's gone on inside of us. Uh, this, this is really something that's been said a lot of times by a lot of people, and it's traced back uh, to, to reformers and everything else. But it says, we are, we are saved by faith alone, but faith that saves is never alone. We're saved by faith alone, but faith that saves is never alone. It's accompanied by works. It's accompanied by action, because living faith has action that goes along with it. So again, this is the difference between head level and heart level faith. When it's all in our head, we may know that that pendulum's not gonna swing back and hit us in the teeth. But when it's just in our head, we might dodge out of the way. When it sinks into our heart, it affects and it impacts the way that we live. Our faith needs to go from just being an intellectual thing to being a heart level thing. And this this is true for every single person. We all need to let that sink in. We all need to take our faith in, to heart. And I learned, because I grew up in the church, I was taught by my parents all of the, the basics of the faith, but I realized at some point in my life that I couldn't just inherit somebody else's faith. I had to decide, was this gonna be mine? When I made that decision, everything changed. It was no longer an intellectual faith. It was a heart-level faith. And one that, that I wanted, I, saw, I sought to, to really live out. That's when my life started changing, where I started wanting to know God. And my actions began to show it. Because it went from the head level to the heart level. Bob Shirock, who, who planted Oak Point Church in Novi a long time ago, uh, he, he, would, he would say, God has no grandchildren. He has no grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters. We can't inherit somebody else's faith. We need to approach him on our own. We are, we are saved by faith alone, but faith that saves is never alone. And that's a burden if you're an Oak Point kid or you're a student that we would have for our young people in this church is to come to an understanding of who God is, not to inherit someone else's faith, but to make that faith your own. It's true for all of us, it's true for our kids, it's true for us adults. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the reality that living faith acts. It works. And that you've given us a faith that works. A faith that works outwardly. A faith that works in our lives. A faith that actually produces something and provides salvation for us. Lord, you've given us that opportunity. Lord, I pray for anybody in here who's not sure what that looks like. What that relationship with you might look like that would change and transform their life day by day. Pray that you would, you would give them the courage to approach someone on the prayer team today or someone on the staff or someone who brought them or someone volunteering or working. Sorry, volunteering is a bad word. Someone who's working in the church today. Lord, I just thank you for serving in the church today. Lord, I thank you that you have given us that opportunity. You've given us each other 
to be able to share about what this looks like and how this, how this plays out in life. And Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us. Strengthen us to have the type of faith that's honoring to you, the type of faith that works, that plays out in the world. Lord, as we go this week and we, we, we try to serve you and honor you and glorify you, Lord, help us to do it not because we're trying to earn love from you, but because we're already so loved. Lord, thank you for living faith. Pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen. And we're gonna have some prayer people right down here up front at the end of service. If you need prayer for anything, it's gonna be Gary and young me, Fazio, they're gonna be standing on these corners. If you need prayer for anything, you have a health thing coming up, um, a surgery, you have something with work, you have a concern, you have a family member who's sick, uh, or maybe you wanna discuss some of these ideas of faith and works a little bit more with somebody, feel free, approach them. You'd make their day if you give them an opportunity to pray with you for any of those things or something else that's on your heart in your mind. We also have, right across the way, has been mentioned earlier, kids, we're doing a candy walk. You guys ready for candy? Yeah. All right, some of you are. All right, some of you are. I want to hear the rest of you. You guys ready for candy this morning? Yeah. Great way to start the day, morning with candy. Uh, we're going to go across the street. We're going to get a head start on getting some candy today. Um, donuts are over there as well. So whether you're a kid or a grown-up, if you want a donut, come have some fellowship across the street. Our lobby's moving across the way. I think it's a decent day for it, so we're looking forward to that. So thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next week as we carry on in our James Faith That Works series. We'll see you then. Thanks.